Welcome to Aesthetics Mastery, the podcast to help you thrive and raise the bar in your aesthetics practice. I'm Dr. Adam Chong. And I'm Dr. Tim Pierce. Tim Pierce is the founder and director of Skin Viva, Skin Viva Training and a general practitioner. And Dr. Adam Chong is a GP, um, GP trainer. I got that wrong. I made that up, haven't I? You totally made that up. <laughs> <laughs> You're a trainer, though, for Skin Viva Training. Yeah. Um, and you were a clinical lecturer at medical at Manchester University. Correct. Yeah. I was... Uh, I had too many jobs, so I'm deciding to focus down more of it on, the, on my, my roles here at Skin Viva. Uh, so, Tim, last time we spoke, you were on your, a bit of a health kick, and I know you've been on holiday. Did you manage to keep up with it? I thought I left my running shoes behind, and I didn't run for the first few days, and then I found them, and I only ran once. But I've run every, every day since getting back, because um, it, it's such a good thing. I definitely recommend it. I think I've said that a lot. And I heard a little bit, I found that book that you were talking about, The Four pillars oh yeah how are you doing with that uh yeah really good uh, my wife's listening to his audiobook so every every evening well in fact the only chance we get to talk really is in bed these days so just before we fall asleep we have a little chat about um whatever she's listened to that day but yeah we're, we're both following it really um diets improved massively um the big focus on sort of getting proper rest and relaxation in the evening so i'm i'm using my phone social media less even doing a bit of meditation and dabbling a bit in the evening so yeah, feeling all right. The, the only limiting factor is the 5 a.m. wake-ups from, from my baby at the moment. Yeah. Can't do much about that. Kids are what happened, happened to you while you're busy making other plans. I think they yeah. just they, whatever you think you've got organized, they stir it up. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so I'm looking forward to completing our trio, uh, our series of about lumps in the lips. And I'm sure other people are uh, uh, looking forward to hearing this final episode as well. So far, we've covered um, history taking and getting the narrative around uh, how the lumps have developed and, and the story behind the patient. Uh, we've talked about examination um, and potential causes, how to actually examine these lumps. So what, what are we going to talk about today? So today is really about um, just being a little bit clearer about how to actually deal with each one of these lumps so that you've, you can start to develop in your mind a very quick sequence of responses that you'll take once you're fairly certain about what's going on. And, and as we always know, there's never 100% certainty in every case, but you should have a pathway that you can follow that will give you s- enough certainty to, to proceed safely. Okay. Uh, so we, we did really split it up into more immediate um, causes of lumps and then the more delayed ones. So we're talking within a few hours to days, and then maybe these delayed ones are anywhere from a few days to perhaps a few weeks after. Um, so would it be useful to really to stick with that yes i think that's a, a reasonable way of dividing it up you you can do it lots of other ways but that's that tends to be certainly the ace guidelines have taken that route of dividing them between delayed and uh, more immediate and it it's uh, it's one way to to hook the pattern onto the possible diagnosis and come up with a, with a plan okay so we did cover last time um, about the different causes so we're going to focus really on how we actually treat them so if we talk about immediate immediate causes of, of lumps in the lips uh, let's take hematoma then as, as one of them. Mm-hmm. So hematoma, just remembering what it is, is basically just a blood clot. Um, what will happen if you leave it? It will gradually subside, but there will be some some of the re- reaction to inflammation going on as well, and it can be quite distressing. In terms of management, though, in terms of the risks you might generate by messing with it, um, usually we do nothing and we just say give it some time. Mm-hmm. But it is useful. Once you've made that diagnosis, and remember you've ruled out particularly occlusion through capillary refill and the pattern, which shouldn't involve 
and significant pain at uh, certainly one after a day or two should only be tender mm-hmm. um, from that position you're you're probably going to wait but you're going to have a slightly traumatized client so um, not traumatized might be a strong word but they need some reassurance that this is just a lump because uh, caused by blood clots so always give the diagnosis with a layman's explanation so that they can say to themselves oh it's just a big bruise because if particularly when you have an anxious client they can imagine all sorts of things and that becomes a bigger problem than the, than the lump itself so uh, give them a time course um, I've noticed over the years that the probably the longest I know of a patient still talking about a visible bruise is about a month okay um, so usually about two weeks it's amazing what your body will deal with in two weeks mm-hmm. so I would say f- for most people expect it to resolve on its own in two weeks I would then give them a a, a heads up that it's possible you might have some residual texture or bumpiness um, from from the recovery process and from the extra collagen that might be laid down by the body's response to breaking down that blood clot um, so that they're not com- but it should be improving the key thing just in case you're wrong about diagnosis is always just to tell them the pattern is it should be re- relentlessly improving yeah. even if it takes a while each day should be the same or better than the day before mm-hmm and if it gets stuck stuck for too long or if it gets worse, there's something else is going on and they need to come back. It's a key part of safety netting, isn't it? That we need to be quite specific with um, not only what to look out for, but time periods. Don't just say, yes, this should resolve you know, within a, so long. If, if we're quite specific, then, then they are as well. They know what to look out for in what time period. Um, and I think that's one way of reducing follow-ups and complaints and things is is that you know excellent safety netting mm-hmm. you feel um i'll also throw in because i know some practitioners do it um is that you can hyalase these lumps because basically hyalase does break down blood clots and it's used in in hospital for that reason um i, I don't tend to because it feels like an additional risk you might even cause more bruising from the injection um but i suppose it might be something that you keep in your arsenal for a particularly bad one or someone who's very upset that you could potentially try that um, but I wouldn't say it's standard. I don't think most people do that in the industry. So hyalase is used for hematomas in hospitals. Yeah, you can apparently. I've this, by the way, is not something that I've actually seen in a paper, but I've heard yeah. of it being used to break down blood clots. Oh, interesting. Just thinking how that would work. Do you think the components of a hematoma? Yeah. Well, it's just breaking down. I think basically hyaluronic acid is partly involved oh, yeah. in in the blood clot, and it might just speed up the process. And it's it, it's similar to that that realization that you know it's used in bees bees have evolved mm-hmm. to have a hyalase and it's basically just allows permeation of drugs in okay. in, in A&E not in A&E in um, HDU normally they use that kind of thing okay. um, but um, yeah it's it it possibly helps break it down a little bit quicker but I think it's adding complexity to a simple problem and I, I generally wouldn't have you uh, now obviously the lump from hematoma should resolve um, within a few weeks but have you seen any residual discoloration that's lasted for weeks and months perhaps following a, a really nasty bruise because that's something I've seen not within the lips but in a, in a different area um, I've seen some I've, I've, there's definitely an issue with potentially with blood mixing with filler that then becomes kind of stained and yeah you get, and I've only ever seen that in a tear trough um, okay. where there was a there was basically a darker ring before and it just lasted and lasted, and I eventually hyalized out and it went away. Went, yeah, um, I've and seen that, the same in it, like a marionette area, I think. Yeah. Um, so that, I guess that's the potential if there was a, a um, discoloration that persisted for a long time. Yes. Yeah. So maybe hyalase would be useful. Yeah. Okay. So that's hematoma, and then 
we we talked last week about lumps of filler, just like a clump of filler, possibly that hasn't been massaged or smoothed out properly. Um, yeah, this is something that I I think you most practitioners see a lot more of when they first start, um, and I noticed this from our training as much as we will train people to do this on the day that you if you if you're not in a good swing of doing it in the habit of doing it the mm-hmm. focus is always on the injection so you deliver your injections the result looks nice the patient looks in the mirror and they they're happy and you think that's a job done and uh, if you haven't checked that they're very smooth the, that filler will start to attract a little bit of moisture and integrate into the tissues and you end up with, a, with something that's a more palpable lump um, that may grow slightly because filler often does it does it particularly depending on the quality of filler and the type of filler it might attract more moisture so you get that growth plus a tissue integration and what wasn't a particularly noticeable lump becomes visible or sometimes palpable um, and that's purely i think in most cases from not massaging it mm. more on the day because it's very easy on the day to do it but it, your focus is particularly in the beginning is so often on delivering the injections yeah so and some people also train i have been told um many years ago i remember i met a trainer who said you shouldn't need to massage at all if you inject nicely now i actually disagree with that because mm-hmm. i've seen myself my even no matter how slowly you inject filler sometimes it just goes to where it wants to go there's yeah. if there's a low pressure point in the tissue the filler will will track there and you mm-hmm. you're trying to place it in one place and you see it will shoot it'll dart off into yeah. a different place so that needs a little bit of smoothing over at least yeah there could be scar tissue from previous cold sores or trauma to the lip there's several reasons i suppose why yeah. it may not just sit nice and uniformly yeah so you can't control the position of the filler with the needle tip mm. the it'll flow like any anything um, and so my little catchphrase when i'm training is smooth it don't move it the idea is that you're blending in these these little um, irregularities so that it feels nice and smooth you're not trying to reposition it okay smooth it don't move it i'm going to <laughs> chop that one down steal that one you're going to get a tattoo on your arm aren't you yes i yeah. am <laughs> um what was the other thing i was going to mention uh oh yeah F- for these uh lumps i find that generally you can within the first week or two weeks you can smooth them out if they come back to you as a as a follow-up but after that maybe two-week period it becomes harder doesn't it yeah but I do think it's still possible to do a lot with just just by squeezing it. And yeah. um, for a while, I felt like I was running a free community service here in the clinic because I'd get so many other pe- people's other patients booking in uh, mm. for a free consultation to ask about a complication that we're now better at sorting it out on the phone. Mm. Um, and all I would do is just massage them and squeeze harder than their practitioner. So their practitioner was giving up and saying, you're going to need to have it high laser. And obviously, they weren't able yeah. to high laser for some reason, maybe not prescribers or... Mm-hmm. We see much less of that. People are much sort of much better sorted out now, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so all I would do is squeeze harder, solve it, and off they go. Yeah. So um, you ne- you do need to be confident enough to squeeze fairly hard. Yeah. Um, I had a doctor who worked for us for a while, um, Doctor Zahib, who who used to he said, because what the problem is, is people think they're going to hurt their patients, so they squeeze a little bit, but they don't squeeze hard enough. And he's, the first thing he did when I was when I was training them is he just grabbed his own lip and squeezed it and felt how much pressure he could take before it hurt, and and uh, basically it's a lot harder than you think. Yeah. So if you if you have that fear that you're going to hurt your patient, just try it on yourself a few times yeah. and you'll realise you can actually squeeze fairly hard. Mm. And and this will also be telling you what kind of lump it is because if it's inflammatory, you're much more likely to get a a different level of pain from that. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, you should be able to massage a lot of them out um, if with if you squeeze a bit harder. And it's surely not going to be as painful as having the needle stuck in. Yeah. Either. 
The big differential at this point, though, would be induration. I'd certainly feel a lot. It, the only difference between induration and a filler lump in some cases is just a slightly more textural feeling. Like mm -hmm. it just doesn't, it just feels a bit firmer, a little bit more like there's a bit more going on. It's not as simple as just a filler lump. Um, and they often appear at the same time. They're sometimes a little bit tender and the big association would be a bruising. You would have had bruising before you get that and they just need time. Um, I just used to explain it as a, as a recovering bruise, it's going to take a few more weeks, and as long as it's getting better, you can leave it. Okay, uh, so that's useful. These immediate causes, hematoma, and then generally the the uh, clump of filler that hasn't been massaged immediately after procedure. Anything else in that immediate category we should we should be thinking about? We've mentioned VOs, occlusions. Yeah, I mean, hopefully by now you'd be very clear. It's not really yeah. a lump, um, and that was only mentioned for completeness because you need to rule that out because yeah. it's the most important. Um, the, uh, the other thing might perhaps cold, cold sores could yeah. put back this way um, and depending on the stage and the severity you, you might I mean usually you would just suggest whatever their normal managed, management is for a cold sore mm -hmm. which would be a cyclovir cream or you can prescribe tablets if you've got it early enough yeah. the side effects of, um, of a cyclovir are, are, are relatively well they always are interesting when you read them aren't they there's never it's never it's never simple even for paracetamol there'll be a long list of things yeah. but but things like hallucinations and stuff it does make you think maybe i should try not to use it at every opportunity uh -huh. um <laughs> oh, i've not read that one yeah uh, okay i'm i'm quite liberal with acyclovir i ask everyone if they've had a cold sore and i, I give it out liberally so yeah yeah i think yeah, warn them about do. hallucinations <laughs> <laughs> well uh, you know it's a bit like steroids and yeah certainly i've had that with feelings dealing with um with a reaction that you then layer on top of it a severe emotional disturbance and it's yeah. way worse it's way worse than than you know mm. what you imagine it to be if someone's suddenly either depressed or manic or something yeah um yeah it's can be it's upset and that makes you think uh, maybe i should uh, wherever possible try not to to avoid yeah okay so moving on then to the more delayed uh, lumps that appear we discussed um possible infections and then even biofilms um, and then these inflammatory nodules so where do we go about starting to you know with treatment for these so the, the first the most difficult thing is obviously the diagnosis we you can't really it's very hard to differentiate the difference between a reaction and and an infection and the the only way I tend to do it is with the is whether it's unilateral or not so if it feels like it's more localized I tend towards thinking it's an infection mm -hmm. um, but that's it's not easy to say we're not dealing with a, the whole body it's often just a lip treatment so it, it, a little bit in the top and the bottom lip does that mean it's it's a reaction versus an infection so it's hard mm -hmm. the hardest thing is is being certain about that which is why we often end up doing mixed treatment patterns where you're involving different both steroids and antibiotics sort of covers both yeah yeah so but the uh, so the pattern with this is often that i've had quite a few interesting ones that are clearly linked with some other infection so I had a lady on a cruise, very well, enjoying her cruise, suddenly got DNV, and at the same time, usually it's a day or two later, all, all her lip filler goes very hard and tender. Similar, so one of the theories is, is it bacteremia? The other one being their immune system is highly active, is it just attacking mm -hmm. filler too? Um, there are discussions around whether that's to do with a little bit of re residual bacterial cell wall within the filler from the manufacturing process. Some people think there will be. Some people think it's way too too little for that to be an issue. Okay. So it's hard to tell what's an infection and, and a reaction. But in that, those sorts of cases, um, you might be considering, certainly if it's very infl inflammatory, steroids are going to be on the cards quite early. 
but then probably antibiotics too because you're so worried about depressing your immune system and having an infection going on yeah so i tend to uh, anything unilateral will get antibiotics okay uh, and that's what the, that's what particularly the ace guidelines say which be, would be that you would you would start with if you're making a diagnosis i'm pretty certain this is a bacterial infection of some yeah. sort either via film or a normal infection um you're going to start with an antibiotic which is a monotherapy they suggest for something like, something like a macrolide or a tetracycline uh, for two weeks okay so examples of a macrolide is erythromycin and clarithromycin yeah um, and then you said tetracycline is an alternative yes yeah. and doxycycline so like as well you can use yeah okay um I guess there's there's a few safety considerations for them, so it'd be worth just just having a look if you're not familiar with these in the BNF, just to check. QT syndrome, I think, is an issue with with the macrolides mm-hmm. um, and GI disturbance. Yeah, and other medication. I know simvastatin, and they they react with clarithromycin. So you need to tell yeah. them to stop other medication. Yeah. Obviously, if you're not a prescriber, your prescriber should be doing should be doing that aspect. Yeah. But um, it's it's worth knowing. I mean, then they're, they're not simple. It's not a lot of these antibiotics are, are quite as we get further down this protocol you'll see that you know they're quite strong and you, you need to try not to use them unnecessarily because of these compl- these potential side effects yeah because well that takes us to the next step because if if uh, those antibiotics are not working you can combine them for dual therapy can't you yes um and then even add in uh ciprofloxacin that's right and and then it's also they've taken for a long time so you could be on a situation where someone has been on a one of the monotherapy antibiotics for two weeks and mm-hmm. then ends up being on a combined therapy for another four weeks. And okay. you and I both have, have, have similar feelings around that, mm. which is... Yeah, well, well, it's drilled into us so much as GPs about the um, overuse of antibiotics. Um, and th- it's not without significant risks, as we were saying earlier. So particularly with ciprofloxacin, the risk of developing clostridium difficile, for example, there are other risks with prolonged antibiotics like Achilles tendonitis and um, rupture of the, ten- of the tendon. Um, there's, all, there's all sorts of um, photosensitivity, but it's mainly the, that risk of C. diff, I'd say, that, and, and resistance, which is a big worry there. Um, and we've, we noticed that on the, the guidance, Hyalase is much further down. It's sort of after these eight weeks of antibiotics. Is that right? Yes. Where, where it's recommended. So, uh, I mean, what, what what do you feel about waiting for eight weeks before we actually highlays? There's, there's firstly, from what I know about biofilms, the longer you leave it, the the worse it's likely to get. So, if you and this is just how I imagine what's going on there is that you have this this clump of bacteria who then start to mix with other things, you know, other bacteria, and you even find yeast cells and things in them. Right. They all start to form in this this soup and they're they're also getting better and more defensive uh, so they, they learn more about your immune system and they learn more about um the antibiotics that you're exposing them to mm. and they're sharing their genes and all that scary kind of alien sounding stuff um so the longer you leave it and the bigger this film gets the more difficult it is to treat so in my mind and, and the other thing remember is what's it, what is this like for your patient at the moment because having yeah. Having a swollen lip for a week is bad. Having it for you know for for, for two weeks is without mm. any improvement is really bad. Like that's a very unpleasant. You'll have a very unhappy person on the end of that. Um, so I would I would be very happy to highlaze at the end of that two before the end of the two week course. I I want to highlaze on antibiotics because 
you don't want to if it is an infection to just release lots of mm. bacteria into the system yeah so it makes sense to me that you keep them on antibiotics with antibiotics an antibiotic load in the system you could high laze and I, I would want to do that around the two-week point that's just my opinion yeah so these these um these guidelines are drawn up from uh, basically an, an expert panel I've been an expert panel on, on other things it's people's opinions and they pull them together and they mm -hmm. all come up with something the the I'm not 100% sure about where the evidence base comes from or I doubt yeah. that it's incredibly good it would be inter interesting to be challenged on this by anyone that disagrees and, and thinks that we should wait for for two months but it's just with our experience of antibiotic use and um, you know the, all the risk associated it just makes sense to, to highlay sooner yeah. rather than later and potentially avoid a two-month course of, of antibiotics. Yeah, I would love to hear from people who, who, you know, particularly if you have a microbiology background, or um, or just maybe you you do a lot of complication work and you've you've tried these different protocols. That would be wonderful to hear from someone. Um, you could email me direct. Um, you could comment on the post on Facebook. Mm. Um, would be great, great to have to hear further thoughts on this. Um, but yeah, I personally I think highlays is for some reason is is treated like the nuclear option whereas i don't really feel like it is like mm -hmm. it's it's not that big a deal to yep. put some highlays in um you, you know do your allergy test and and all the other things but you know let's get rid of the filler that's that's the underlying cause yeah um, and then you should hopefully be free from the problem quicker okay um i think further down those the guidelines there are did i read allopurinol is a possibility yes and there was one other thing you can you remember well we this is when you're is it intralesional steroids intralesional steroids yeah. so you're yeah so you're you're basically trying to reduce them for this fits more with it being kind of reactive okay um you know granulomas a foreign body reaction that's persisting yeah um you can start injecting intralesional steroids i would i would say i got a very good tip from david eccleston when um we were discussing a case and he d he does some medical legal work around this stuff and he, and he made the point that you're in this case many clinicians feel very you you desperately want to solve it and he's, he's he thinks that there are probably more cases of people trying too hard and causing another problem that gets them into difficulties okay rather than being patient allowing things to resolve as much as possible without overreacting and mm -hmm. um, basically not doing panic management you know when you throw everything at it and you start to you just try too hard there's, there's okay. there is an element of let's not inject intralesional steroids in week two mm -hmm. um you know when when you've only highlighted two days ago like yeah. let's just give each thing a chance to work mm -hmm. um because it it looks worse if you're trying and causing more problems yeah um than being a bit more cautious so okay i mean that that takes us to something we were discussing earlier uh we see that some people are using needles to um, almost incise uh, lumps and try and squeeze them out which i mean it's not something we tend to do very much here why why is that what's your thoughts on that um, I like to think it's because we get fewer lumps. Correct answer. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, I mean, there's a few. So if you think about what's going on with these cases, this is this is filler that's in, that hopefully isn't reactive or infective. Because if it's reacting or infecting, squeezing some of it out is not the right answer. Mm. That you're going to need to get rid of that because yeah. it's still going to react or there's still going to be infection. So this is filler that's in the wrong place or has migrated easily. So this could be another reason is the fillers we use tend to integrate very quickly. Mm -hmm. There'll be a spectrum of integration rate and some, I often wonder, are, are some of them just able to move a bit further and follow gravity and to end up with a lump and possibly it's injection technique. You know, there are, we've all had filler that's that not necessarily, when I say injection technique, it could be a one-off. I'm not saying the people, 
I always think when you see these Facebook posts and you know the clinician who receives the problem is very proudly blaming the technique of the other of the other clinician. Um, I'm pretty sure from my experience, having known clinicians who've sent me these pictures, that they're doing a great job most days, and then they have a suddenly have a bad one. And it's we all say maybe it's injection technique, mm-hmm. but it doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad injector. You can just have a, a day when it goes in the wrong place, it flows differently. You yeah. don't massage, you don't pick it up on your massage, mm-hmm. and yeah, you could say that's injection technique, but it doesn't mean that they're doing that to everyone. You just, yeah. I don't think you'd survive more than a week if you did it to every one of your patients. Yeah. Um, but those those ones are the ones that you might want to try and squeeze a bit of the filler out because it's in theory a bit more light touch. You know, you're not putting extra drugs into the system. Yeah. You're finding the, the the offending bump. You're squeezing fifty percent of the filler out, and hopefully that's enough. Okay. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't recommend it if you are if you think you're fighting Suspicion. a biofilm or reaction. Yeah, good advice. Okay, uh, going back to then the biofilms, infections, and then inflammatory nodules, another cause of a delayed uh, lump in the lip, uh, delayed onset lump. It, essentially, it's a quite similar management, except you may not approach it with antibiotics. If, you, if you're pretty confident this is inflammatory, perhaps like you say, it's more of a global swelling followed... Mm. Um, like a virus, uh, you know, a cold or whatever, um, then you could perhaps sit it with steroids and avoid the antibiotics. Yeah. So this is, um, for me, the most classic kind of picture with this is that they're, they're very well, it's like been three months since their treatment, they get a virus and it's very kind of viral, you know, clear coryza and, um, you know, a, an itchy cough and that's fading and they're getting better mm-hmm. and suddenly their lips react and they mm-hmm. swell, they globally swell. To me, that's that's very clearly more of a of a, a re, of a reaction than an yeah. infection, and and I've certainly treated quite a few with just steroids. And given my experience with steroids, I actually drop the dose now to twenty. I, I know a lot of people talk about thirty, and I've mm-hmm. even seen people prescribing sixty. 60. Yeah, um, I get a I've noticed a really good response from twenty. Okay, and I just think that's a bit less likely to to cause the other interesting side effects. Um, and so if the inflammation goes down, you can just treat them and. The interesting thing is it just goes like you don't have to high laser a lot of them so they get a good response within 24 hours and then it just it, it just fades and they can keep their lip filler and that tells me very much there's something about this reaction to the infection um, that causes it because it doesn't seem to last however I've had at least one case I can remember where that in initial improvement was great and then and then it just as soon as the steroids stopped it, it restarted mm-hmm. again and obviously then you high laser okay have you ever had to use any prolonged courses of steroids um, just to keep things at bay? I've not ever prescribed more than two sets of five days. Five days, okay. Yeah. Uh, and that's good because if you stay within a two-week period, you don't need to wean down yeah. steroids, whereas otherwise you would do. Um, that okay. is a good point in terms of management for all of these things. Once again, we have discussed this, but you need to doing it, be doing it in the context of your patient's medical history. And the, the worst-case scenario for us is someone who's already... You should already know this, but you know, if they're already taking immunosuppressants, particularly steroids, they've had high mm-hmm. dose steroids, and suddenly you're throwing in more steroids, um, you, it might get to the point where you need to seek advice with mixing the medication. Yeah, steroids actually relatively high risk medication. Like you need, we need to know the the contraindications or cautions, such as you know GI disturbance, GI bleeds, history of psychosis, things like this. Yeah, that's so a good point. yeah, if you're not familiar with steroids, we would recommend you know discussing if you feel it's a bit out of your depth or getting your prescriber on board with it. Yeah, once again, this goes down to that calm decision-making process mm. because often this is a very emotional 
time because you can you can actually work in aesthetics for a long time see hundreds of patients and not have a problem mm -hmm. so when it happens it's very upsetting for the clinician and and the inclination to solve it sometimes gets people into more trouble because you you're quickly just you know prescribing steroids and you forget to ask about the gi bleed and then they have a gi bleed yeah. and they're already upset and you know that's a really awful situation if you find yourself in it so be calm collect the information and make the decision in a, in a calm way and involve other people get get uh, other people to help you if you're out of your depth um, you know refer into the nhs uh, if you need to okay um okay so that that was uh, that was really helpful um tim unless there's anything else to add i think we'll we'll wrap that up okay um we were going to do our uh, the final um what are we calling it consultation hack, hack. okay <laughs> Um, so how to, how to manage expectations for lip volume. So I just thought I'd throw this in because so many people do treatments mm -hmm. and then they, they tr their patient comes back and says, oh, you know, I'm disappointed. I thought I was going to get more for the half a mil. So what do you say in your consultation that will protect you from, from the patient being disappointed and thinking that you need to give them another syringe of filler for free? So this is as simple as just not giving too much certainty. When you, when you recommend a treatment and, you, and people book in for a lip filler, say... One mil will make, what I normally would, did, particularly in the, in the early days, would just give them an open door at the end of it. So one mil will make a great difference. You might need more than that to be happy, though. It's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. You're not just promising the world. So I would recommend we do one mil at a time. Some people need four mils to be happy, but let's do one at a time. Other than, rather than saying, oh, you like your lips treated, that'll be X, Y, and Z, you know, that'll be 300 pounds or 200 yeah. pounds, and then injecting it and off they go because they unconsciously think I'm going to get all of my dreams come true for this and you disappoint them so make sure that you haven't led them down that path of it solving all their issues sort of under promising and over delivering is quite a good concept as well 100 percent. without yeah, putting love, people I, off obviously i love that saying but people are very seldom put off you can be very yeah. mediocre in your even if you know you can do better you seldom lose by under promising yeah. okay um so thanks very much that concludes our three-part series of lumps in the lips i hope that was helpful please give us any feedback and thanks again, Dr. Tim. Thank you, Dr. Adam. And we'll see you next week. Thank you.